Dealers, have you been searching for a way to keep your customers' cars looking new for longer? Diamond Coat's nano ceramic gloss and matte paint coating is the answer. No special application tools are required, and it will keep service work in your base. Plus, it's an excellent lease product to offer your customers. Give your dealership the competitive edge with Diamond Coat. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the June 2nd, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest today is going to give us a lay of the luxury land in Canada. He'll talk about the effect electrification has on the sports car market. And what about that luxury tax? How is that affecting sales and strategy? All that and more when I speak with Porsche Canada CEO John Capella on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. John, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Uh, Thank you, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Looking forward to this. Let's start here. Just generally speaking, how would you describe Canada's luxury market and that market for sports cars at the moment? Well, there's uh, key aspects of the luxury market that you know remain consistent and some that are evolving. Uh, I think that individualization and customization continues to grow in importance for luxury. Uh, this is an area that we excel in, particularly with our exclusive manufacturer program. Um, but going beyond the product itself and providing customers with brand experiences is also growing in importance with luxury. Uh, we place a high priority of this. We have a lot of events like, uh, and, and programs like the Porsche Ice Experience, we have our travel program, European delivery, and even our, uh, our upcoming Porsche Experience Center. And of course, we also have our dealers that are investing more than ever in facilities and people to deliver on the brand promise and further heighten the experience as well. So heritage, that's another one, of course, that plays a big role. And this year, we're celebrating 75 years of Porsche and 60 years of the 911. So we have a lot to draw from there. And uh, and then one area that's certainly evolving is sustainability. Uh, this is a factor that really is growing in importance with regards to luxury. It's now expected, and, and we certainly take it uh, seriously. Uh, for example, we've set all sorts of targets for decarbonization. Um, we're wanting to work with suppliers that manufacture products with renewable sources. And of course, there's uh, been a lot of press on e-fuels, as even as we electrify our vehicles, There's going to be a lot of gasoline engine powered vehicles on the road for many decades to come. Uh, So e-fuels is a possible solution to that as well. How much of that sustainability push is coming from your customers? What are they looking for in Porsche to meet their expectations when it comes to that sustainability and sort of green outlook and, and green processes? I think we're seeing with with the generations that are looking at sustainability now, and new target groups and such that that is simply just growing in importance. It's some, it's kind of like the cost of entry. You, you need, they want to be associated with a sustainable brand that's looking after the environment and and doing their part to make sure that we have uh, somewhere to live for many decades to come and and for their kids and for their kids, kids. So it's, it's a, it's a factor that's, that's part of it and uh, you can't do without it now. I want to stick with the market for a minute because when you look back to before the COVID-19 pandemic, luxury market was strong and it was really strong during the early days of the pandemic when folks who could afford a luxury car, a Porsche, couldn't really vacation. They couldn't really um, do all of the social activities that they were used to doing. So we saw in part an uptick in luxury the purchase of luxury items. Has it changed since the beginning of the pandemic? Are we back to more 
quote-unquote normal purchasing patterns now in both the luxury market and, and mainstream? I think it's stabilizing. Uh, I think there's still great demand for, for certain products, but uh, it's certainly stabilized versus maybe where, where we were a couple of years ago during the pandemic. Porsche has been on quite a streak of monthly sales gains, um, give or take a couple. But I mean, you guys have been in incredibly successful. What's been the secret to success in Canada? What is it about this market? Well, I think I think we've had an endless streak of product launches over the last uh, few years that has certainly helped fuel that growth. You know, from all the new and exciting variants of the 911. Um, of course, over the years, we've launched new and exciting products like the Macan in 2014. And of course, the Taycan now that we launched in 2019 has added to our sales growth. Um, but, you know, the product offering continues to, to grow both in strength and in, in variance. Um, still niche, but certainly growing. And of course, our dealer network. I mean, they've done a great job in preparing for this growth in order to, to really have the growth in sales and service, you have to have a strong dealer network, and we're very fortunate to have that here in Canada. When it comes to product, how important is it to have something in that sort of non-traditional sports car segment? And I'm talking things like CUVs, SUVs, four doors. That's typically not what Porsche Porsche has been known for over the decades, but they are very beautiful cars. I'm drawn to them when I see them on the road, and um, they they appear to be just as luxurious and sporty as you know the 911s of the world that we've been used to. How key was it to have something in that market? You could not forego that segment, could you? Uh, no, our philosophy is pretty clear. It, we will offer the sports car in every segment that we participate in. So in our view, every single vehicle that we make is a sports car. So whether it's an SUV, we're the sports car of that SUV segment. And uh, you can you can test that out on the track as we, we tend to have the most dynamic and sporty driving vehicle in each of those segments, whether it's the SUV or even our Taycan, quite frankly. I want to ask about this. The luxury tax has been bandied about, debated, and discussed among automakers and analysts and politicians for a really long time. How has the luxury tax affected Porsche in Canada? And if it hasn't yet, how do you anticipate it will? Uh, you know, look, I think it's a little too early to tell. You know, a lot of the vehicles that are being delivered to customers in the first few months of this year were actually ordered uh, before the implementation of the tax. Um, and, you know, so far, year to date for the first quarter, we're up 4%. So we're doing well, and we still have a very strong pipeline of orders in place. So, you know, we continue to monitor. Uh, I'd say it's just too early to tell at this point. Was there a rush at the end of last year to get those orders in before the tax was in place? Um, you know, I wasn't in Canada at the time, so it's hard to say, but I think it was it was pretty stable, quite frankly, um, from the data that I've seen. So there's luxury tax, there's electrification, there's a lot of change in Canada when it comes to vehicles, all vehicles. What is What effect is electrification as it relates to sports and performance cars having on the Porsche brand? Well, you know, performance has directly benefited from electrification at Porsche. I mean, if you think of the 918 Spider, right? We, we launched the first plug-in supercar um, that was a hybrid. There's one example. We also introduced, you know, 
electrification at the higher end models for Panamera and Cayenne, like the Turbo SE hybrid versions of that. Obviously, the Taycan. You know, we've even have a GT4 e-performance model that is a uh, sort of a prototype right now. So we're exploring electrification and racing. Um, and then all of this is then funneling down to the Macan battery electric vehicle and the 718 that we've announced as well. So, you know, the DNA, the Porsche DNA is going to be there. And uh, whether it's a, a, an ICE car, an internal combustion engine car, or an electrified car. So we're excited about it as it, it provides new op- opportunities. And, and um, we have a lot of exciting things in the works to support it. What's the feedback been like from consumers and enthusiasts when it comes to electrification? Do they like electrifying the brand? Well, the great thing is we offer both right now. And so we have customers that are, you know, really excited about the future and will only drive an electric vehicle and they love what that and what we have to offer when it comes to electric vehicle. By the same token, we do have some customers that are really passionate about their internal combustion engine vehicles. And for that, we are still building and selling those cars for years to come as we sort of transition over. So there's both right now. We're seeing both customers and we're very happy that we're able to provide both customers with an option. We'll be right back after this short break. Today, we're excited to share with you how you can enhance your customer's driving experience and keep their vehicle looking like new with Diamond Coat's full suite of nano ceramic gloss and matte paint protection products. Both come with a 10-year warranty guarantee. Diamond Coat's nano ceramic gloss paint protection is perfect for customers who want to maintain vibrant vehicle finish. This advanced formula uses cutting-edge nanotechnology to create a hard, durable barrier between the paint and the environment. Not only does it provide superior protection against scratches, bird droppings, and UV rays, but it also enhances the paint's shine, making it look like it just rolled off the showroom floor. For matte finished vehicles on your lot, we have Nano Ceramic Matte, the only product in North America specifically designed to protect a vehicle's unique non-reflective look. It's engineered to preserve the light-diffusing sheen matte and satin finishes are known for while still providing long-lasting protection from the elements. Both of our nano ceramic products offer superior protection with a 9H hardness rating and a hydrophobic surface that repels water and contaminants. This means your customers will spend less time cleaning their vehicle and more time enjoying the ride. Not only are our products top of the line, but our team of experts is dedicated to providing exceptional service to our dealership partners. We offer comprehensive training, marketing support, and dedicated ancillary specialists to ensure that you have everything you need to successfully offer our products to your customers. So if you want to provide your customers with the best in ceramic paint protection, look no further than Diamond Coat. Contact us today or visit www.diamondcoat.com to learn more about how we can help. Diamond Coat, we've got you covered. Welcome back to the podcast where we're hearing from Porsche Canada CEO, John Capella. So sticking with electrification, what will the impact of the proposed zero emissions vehicle sales mandate in Canada and and particularly right now in BC and Quebec, since they already exist there on some sort of scale, what will the effect of those sales mandates be on Porsche in Canada? You know, I, th- I think we're we're actually going to be fine there because we have a mandate to be 80% of our, our sales to be all electric by the end of the decade. Um, so with all the new models that we have coming, um, we're in very good shape there. Is it fun to go through this change? What's it like trying to deal with 
all of these hoops and all of this change at once? Is it a challenge? Is it is it fun? Do you enjoy going to work and, and dealing with all this or, or is it frustrating? Well, I, I always enjoy going to work, work for a great brand at Porsche. So um, it is exciting in that there's a lot changing. It does force us to look at every aspect of our business, whether it's the sales side, the service side, the marketing side. I mean, everything that we do has to be reevaluated and reviewed and updated uh, as it relates to selling electric vehicles. Um, and it's not overnight. Right. There's 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 a path that we have. We have one electric vehicle now. Next year, we'll have a second. And then after that, we have a very much defined plan to get to that point that we want to get to in 2030. So we're planning now for that point. So I wouldn't call it overnight. It's, it's actually a, a fairly gradual transition. What do your dealers have to say about this? And what is the plan or the expectations for the dealers as you move forward in um, the electrified world? Uh, they're, they're with us, standing right next to us. I mean, we're, we're united. I'm very fortunate to have a great group of, uh, of dealers representing Porsche here in Canada. And we have these conversations um, very often. Uh, we have numerous meetings, even you know, last year, this year, where we talk about this and work together on the things that they need to change. They provide feedback on the things that we need to change. So we're, we're marching sta- you know, side by side here on this and working together on it. And they, you know, and they, and they know it's coming and they want to be there as well and, uh, and are supporting it. Are there certain upgrades or changes um, that they need to make as you move forward? Um, we've seen, you know, Ford, for example, ask a lot of their dealers, both in terms of work and change and money. What what are you asking of your dealers? Is there something that they need to do to get on board? And has there been any pushback the way we saw at other automakers? Yeah, every every dealer will need to evolve their their facility and their people. So uh, some of the things we're asking, you know, there's there's different requirements in a workshop. I mean, that's that's obvious. Uh, working on a battery electric vehicle is different than an internal combustion engine vehicle. Um, so we have those standards in place. There's obviously charging requirements uh, that weren't around, you know, five, 10 years ago that need to be in place at dealerships. There's also new training that is required. Uh, we have a, a program, for example, with the University of Toronto that um, we are putting many of the people at our dealership through to really educate them on e-mobility. Um, from a 360 approach from, you know, what goes into the technology and what the impacts are on the environment and, and some of the, uh, the technical side of how to repair and all of that. So it's, it's a 360 approach here. And again, our dealers have been very cooperative with us as they know this is the future and uh, they support it. I want to stick with retail for a minute, for a moment that the next two um, topics. Um, first, if you could talk a bit about the Porsche Drive subscription program, where is it at? How is it doing? What's the long-term plan for that? Uh, it's a fairly new program. It was launched in 2018 in Toronto. Um, that was the first location. Then the growing demand uh, led us to expand in Vancouver, Montreal, and we even have a seasonal offering in Kelowna. Um, there's a lot of different use cases for customers uh, that take part in Porsche Drive. You know, they want to the latest Porsche model and not necessarily having to commit to it yet and, and not having to worry about insurance, maintenance, or long-term commitments. There, there's a lot of different reasons why people use it. They may fulfill a dream. 
um, to, to sort of have one for the summer, or maybe they're doing an extended test drive. You know, it's a growing program with each, with each season, we get more subscribers. Uh, we're learning through the program. And right now we're evaluating how to further expand the program in Canada. So again, it's still fairly fresh um, and we're learning through it and uh, looking to expand it. Is it leading to sales? I assume that's what it, it was is. in place it for. Is. So are you, are you converting it, a lot of these folks? Yeah, it does lead to sales. Absolutely. And uh, the other thing we're excited about is it actually introduces our brand to new target groups uh, and different demographics. So um, the data is good, uh, but we have, you know, we continue to learn from it. Sort of in that vein, uh, any update on the Canadian site for a Porsche Experience Center? Yeah, like we're very excited about the Experience Center. Um, it's expected to open second half of next year. Uh, it's going to be the 10th Porsche Experience Center in the world, and uh, which is exciting for Canada. And what we love about it is it offers both our customers and enthusiasts an opportunity to experience our products in spirited ways. So really, anybody can, can experience this. Um, a lot of planning going on right now is with any project like this that we're, we're starting from the grand, ground up. Uh, we have some cool little surprises along the way. For example, uh, we're creating a one-of-one edition card to commemorate the opening of the, the PEC. Um, so we're going to be announcing that and providing details on that car actually uh, in June. Um, so you'll, you'll probably start to see pictures of it. So a lot, a lot of things happening and hope to have you actually visit us Absolutely. at the Experience Center in Toronto next year when we open in the second half. And now we end on this note, which was my favorite vehicle as a kid. Used to love going to the North American International Auto Show in Detroit and grabbing the brochures and the posters for the 911. What is Porsche's plan for the 911 in the short term and long term? Uh, I love it. That's my favorite question as well, because that is our icon. You know, the, well, in addition to turning 75, the 911 turned 60 this year. So we have some cool things planned for the 911. Um, obviously, we have an exciting lineup right now with the, you know, from the T that's, you know, the purest oriented to the Dakar, which has been a huge, huge uh, success for us. And of course, the GT3 RS. So we, we have something for everybody in the 911 lineup. Um, you know, we, in addition to the 75 year anniversary, as I mentioned, it's, it's a 60 year 911. So we have a few more things that I can't quite talk about now, but rest assured though, that uh, the 911 lineup is strong for many, many years to come. On a personal note, I'm looking forward to every surprise for the 911 and one day hope to own one. I mean, it, I truly mean that when I say it was my favorite vehicle growing up and I still can picture my my walls of my grade seven bedroom covered in posters of that vehicle. It is iconic. I love to hear that. So let's see what we can do to get you in one. Let's see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. John, it's been a wonderful conversation. The time flies by. I appreciate uh, all the information, the updates. Um, a great conversation. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Anytime. I'd like to thank John for being my guest this week. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.